Hello and welcome to Coffee with Conservationists, the podcast where I sit down with anyone who dedicates their lives to protecting, researching and documenting nature. I talk to them about their work in a range of areas such as wildlife conservation, ecology, human and wildlife coexistence and worldwide environmental issues. This episode is quite horrifically late because of some unexpected life events, but a couple of weeks ago now uh, I visited Princess Pavilion near my home in Falmouth to talk to a range of individuals involved in Falmouth Marine Conservation's Blue Day. Despite a few microphone malfunctions, I spoke to a huge amount of amazing people representing some very important conservation groups. This was my first outing with the podcast, my first proper little trip to go and talk to a lot of different people in real life and cover an event. I really enjoyed it and I know there's probably more uh, refined ways of doing it in the future than I did, but luckily the wind noise wasn't too bad. Um, There will be a little variation in volume and levels and whatnot because of some unexpected tech issues, but uh, overall I really hope you enjoy it and you all learn a lot from this episode because there's such a huge amount of people and interesting voices in Falmouth alone whose work affects the wider marine environment. So really important to go and talk to talk to them and get a general idea of the brilliant work they are doing. So I'm here today at the Falmouth Marine Conservation Blue Day at Princess Pavilion in Falmouth. It's really cool to actually be talking to loads of different groups and a bit more in-person stuff as well. Um, I'm with Isabel from Falmouth Marine Conservation. Could you kind of give us a rundown of what the day is about and also the work your organisation does? Of course, yeah. So uh, Blue Day is sort of um, about bringing lots of different marine conservation groups and marine conservation charities together. We've got people here from um, us who are marine conservation. We've got um, Cornwall Wildlife Trust, the Environment Agency, the Harbour Commissioners, we've got uh, Plastic Free Falmouth, lots of different conservation organisations to sort of spread the importance of uh, conservation in your local area and about the importance of blue health and protecting species. Um, and Falmouth Marine Conservation specifically, we're sort of split into a few main projects. We've got the SeaQuest project, which meets uh, once a month at Pendennis Point to look and do surveys at if there's any marine wildlife out in the, across the ocean, so you have dolphins or whales. We then have the Rockpool project which is quite new and they run various shore searches uh, for kids and families. We have uh, the Pacific Oyster project where they keep an eye on um, uh, sort of help to maintain a good level of Pacific oysters as they're an invasive species. And then we have the education outreach team, which I'm involved with, I'm one of the coordinators of. And through that, we focus on three main topics, which are plastic pollution, overfishing, and Cornish wildlife. And through that, we help to educate children and families in various different formats, whether that's going into schools, doing snorkel sessions, uh, rock pool sessions, beach cleans, shore searches, all that kind of stuff to help educate Um, about those main topics and then we also have a new project starting which is the seagrass project and that will involve um, I'll be working closely with Falmouth Harbour to look at things like the advanced mooring systems and seagrass conservation 
and running more snorkel sessions and um, yeah so we we have lots of volunteers that can help us in various different ways um, whether that's just coming along to events like this as extra hands or whether it's um, you know coming along snorkeling and all that kind of stuff yeah that's perfect and um, could I ask briefly we'll just wait for some people to come by um, could I ask briefly what your personal connection to the sea is yeah, so I've always grown up by the sea. I'm from Sussex, and obviously now living in Falmouth, so I've always been by the sea. And um, no, I want to work in marine conservation, and uh, this is a really important place to start because it gives you that first-hand experience. Um, I get to teach people about the importance of conservation and um, stuff like overfishing, plastic pollution, all of that, and I get to take... My favourite part about it is when I get to do snorkel sessions and take kids out snorkeling and um, looking at seagrass and helping people see uh, the importance of cons- conserving their local marine environment and uh, often seeing the difference in um, how much people know about it. Um, you've got some people who know loads about what's in their rock pools and some people that don't know anything at all and it's helpful to help educate them. Uh, yeah, I just I'm always in the sea constantly you know um sea swimming or surfing snorkeling all of that so it's really important and i i think it's um obviously in cornwall where it's all around us it's important to keep people involved and motivated to help protect the oceans yeah definitely and uh finally could you just do you want to shout out any uh platforms or where where can people find Falmouth marine conservation if they don't come to this event yeah, of course. So we've got our main Instagram account, which is Falmouth Marine Conservation. We've got our outreach Instagram account, which is FMC underscore Outreach and Education. And then we're on Facebook and Twitter and everything. And uh, we've got a website. We've got a few YouTube videos of various different online talks we've done about careers um, and that sort of thing. And yes, yeah, so you can find us on there. And we're closely linked with all of the other marine groups um, around Cornwall. Yeah, and hopefully I'll get to speak to a few of those in a bit. So, yeah, thanks very much. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm here with Chris, who's, whose thing is oysters. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about, about them and why they're important, especially in Falmouth. Um, so, yeah, could you give me a rundown of what you do with oysters and um, why their, their species is important uh, to the local Falmouth marine environment? Okay. So um, it's, it's complicated, it's paradoxical, because there are two sorts of oysters. They're the original natural oysters uh, that are out in the bay, and they're uh, fished. The fishermen collect them in boats that are quite special because it's the only place in the world where they're not allowed to use engines or motors. They can only sail or row uh, with very small dredges so as not to disturb the sediment of the seabed. There, so that's happening. It's quite a vulnerable in, industry and quite quite small. And then there are the Pacific oysters, which is the project I run, that are an invasive species, and they're a real problem. They're not universally a real problem because they're, in many parts of the world, proper good food stuff. Uh, all oysters are, are filter feeders, bivalve filter feeders, and they're brilliant at cleaning the water. Um, but the Pacific oysters that were brought in probably originally uh, in the bilge water of boats um, when the boats are cleaned out and they arrived here, but mostly they were brought in the 60s to be fish farmed and managed. 
but probably the wrong sort of uh, Pacific oysters and they breed much much uh, faster than the naturals so they become a real problem because they uh, take over and they produce reefs they're very very uh, sharp ragged shells so when they affixed to the rocks on the shoreline. They're quite dangerous for children and pets and animals and boats and, uh, and so on. So my project, which I do under Falmouth Marine Conservation and as part of um, Cornwall Wildlife Trust, is I run one of the survey groups that we go round and do mapping and surveying of the Pacific oysters and we bash them. Uh, to let their water and the air in so they don't breed because they breed at an enormous rate. One Pacific oyster can produce between 50 and 200 million eggs. Wow. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a huge amount. Um, so, yeah, when you, when you say bash them, do you just, I, I can see hammers in front of me and, and counters, hand counters. Uh, so I'm guessing you go around, make a, make a count of how many you've seen yeah. and then just give them a knock on the head. Yeah, yeah. It seems very curious, doesn't it, to be doing sort of damage to wildlife, but they are such a problem. Uh, so, yeah, once we let the air or the water in, we always do it at um, low tide. We only work in the intertidal area. And then, of course, the tide comes in and washes it all, and the crabs and birds and all the other creatures are very happy because plenty of food will appear <laughs> for them. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, apart from obviously, um, yeah, as you said, the really sharp, jagged shells, what's a really easily, uh, easy way for anyone to tell the native oysters apart from the Pacific ones? The native oysters are sometimes called flat oysters uh, because they are literally flatter, whereas the Pacifics are ridged with sharp zigzag ridges. So that's usually the way you can tell the difference of them. I mean, the little ones are more difficult to spot, uh, but they will nearly always affix to the rock or something like that, apart from in some areas where they will just sit in the mud and the silt. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, you're and that's, uh, yeah, really useful to know. So, hi, Vicky, you're from Falmouth Harbour. Um, I was just wondering, kind of, obviously, I've, I've lived in Falmouth full-time for two years now, so I, I know the harbour very well. I know it's a very busy harbour, um, lots going on and probably quite a lot of um, quite a lot of pollution because there's a lot of boats and big army vessels, cruise ships, that kind of thing. Um, could you give me talk me through the, the work that um, you do to try and make it a cleaner, safer space for wildlife and, and everyone and people to enjoy? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, like you say, Falmouth Harbour is pretty busy um, port and we do have big commercial ships coming in um, but we uh, here in Falmouth, the start of Falmouth, it, it's the um, emissions control area so all ships need to have 0.1% fuel on board so they need to be, there, so they're operating as cleanly as they can do um, but yeah there are big you know, movements going on through the International Maritime Organisation to find solutions to clean shipping up. 
um, with regards to emissions. So there's lots of work going on there. Uh, within the harbour, we operate two pilot boats. So we're trying to look at alternative fuels to fuel those boats um, to reduce the emissions that come out of them. Um, we've also got um, engine monitoring systems on one of the boats that tells us the most um, economical way to operate that boat. And that gets fed back through to the um, coxswains so they can see the most efficient way to, to operate the boat to minimise emissions again. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are looking to do stuff with sort of new boats, new fuels, um, to see what, what the future holds. But until the technology's there, it's a bit of a catch-22 there. But um, yeah, we are definitely looking at it um, and, and seeing what we can do. Yeah, amazing. So obviously, yeah, it's uh, innovation all the time, but um, it's just reliant on what's here and what's available. Um, could, could I ask also what your personal connection to the, the sea is outside of the harbour, of course, the, the wider ocean? Sure, I, I love um, the marine environment. I did marine zoology at, uh, at university and then um, have worked in the marine maritime industries for the whole of my career, basically from marine construction right through to ports and harbours. Um, I love the marine environment and I go snorkelling regularly, kayaking with my family and just trying to enjoy it as much as possible. Amazing, thank you so much for your time. Lucy is from Cornwall Wildlife Trust, uh, which is an amazing organisation, the local um, regional branch of the Wildlife Trust down here where I live in Falmouth. Um, could you yeah, tell me a bit about you and uh, why uh, the work that Cornwall Wildlife Trust does, uh, especially in, in this local area in Falmouth? So I am the new marine project apprentice for the Cornwall Wildlife Trust been there for about four months it's an 18 month project because they've got a lot of money from the national lottery heritage fund to do work in the mounts bay area and i live in penzance so we're just working with schools like encouraging youth and students to get outside because if you go to students and you ask them to put their hand up if, if they've been to the beach no one will put their hand up it's really quite sad so we want to encourage that be like you've got your beach there's basking sharks out there there's starfish out there there's all sorts of go go out there and also tell them about pollution just raising awareness but then there's also the engagement side of it so going to businesses and stakeholders being here today and just raising awareness and talking to people and my job is just to help those people and before the trust I was just mainly volunteering for Mounts Bay Marine Group, which is a volunteer group in Penzance. And they do loads of work with seagrass, they do loads of talks, loads of different people just come together. There's an individual who collects cetacean bones, an individual who can rock pull and identify everything and anything. But the whole, with the Wildlife Trust, their project mainly is just to raise awareness and yeah, just do these projects that just conserve species and there's the marine team there's a land team there's dynamic dunescapes there's urcus there's a lot there's a lot and a lot and actually this year is the 60th anniversary of the wildlife trust oh amazing that's really cool um yeah obviously there is a lot of people to get involved with um i know a lot of my course mates and a lot of people at my uni uh, get involved on, on voluntary races with all sorts of things um, and it's not just coastal as well you do a huge uh, uh, amount for 
the uh, inland communities and inland nature of, of Cornwall. Um, could you, what, what's your personal connection to the, the sea? So I've only been in Cornwall for about three years. I always knew I was going to do conservation stuff, but I never really thought it would be marine. But I went diving in Thailand like three years ago. First time I'd ever gone abroad. And I fell in love. I fell in love with diving. I fell in love with the sea. And that was kind of around the time I knew I was moving. And in that moment, I was like, I'm going to like Cornwall. It might be a lot colder, but I'm going to like Cornwall. Moved here and it's because where I was living in London before there's just not many natural spaces so I, I couldn't get that fixed whereas like being in Cornwall it's constant things there's the marine groups that I can get involved in there's just it's just filling that hole that I've been wanting to fill for so long with wildlife conservation and there's so many opportunities around here I mean being here today there's a good like what 20 30 people here all doing the same thing all on the same level so for me it's just connecting with the people who just want to do the same thing and just protecting the environment and being in nature because I love being outside that's my biggest thing just love being outside and I love learning and I love being curious I'll find something on the beach and it'll just take over me and I want to know what it is and what animals it's connected to and I love traveling I've been to Peru I've been to the rainforest that was a really pivotal moment when I realized that this is what I want to do I want to be outside doing a project in the field and yeah I've just grown to love the ocean as I've been here over the years and obviously over lockdowns it was quite difficult and being a noob to Cornwall I didn't know many people so the sea was actually the closest thing I had to a regular person or a regular thing to connect with and started wild swimming snorkeling so I've got a real soft spot for the ocean and when this po apprenticeship popped up, I jumped right on it because I thought it would be perfect foot in the door in the conservation world. Yeah, amazing. And um, lastly, can you uh, tell me where all my listeners can find Cornwall Wildlife Trust online, on social media, that kind of thing? So we're on all social medias. Instagram, Facebook would be Cornwall Wildlife Trust. And we've got a website, cornwallwildlifetrust.org.uk. Then there's also the Yorkshire's got their own Instagram handle, so the Yorkshire Network. Yeah, and you can follow all the projects that are going on from Charter of the Sea is the most recent thing that's going to be happening. There's an event on the 30th of March in Mounts Bay area, which is going to be bringing the community of Penzance together to discuss conservation. Um, so you can follow that. There's all sorts of projects. So yeah, Cornwall Wildlife Trust across all social platforms. Amazing, thank you for your time. It's all right. Here with uh, BDLMR, so uh, British Divers Marine Life Rescue, bit of a mouthful, uh, who do amazing work rescuing and responding to call-outs of uh, stranded marine life. Um, yeah, so could you introduce yourself and kind of give me a rundown of, of what you do at BDLMR? I can do so. My name is Lizzie LaBallastier and I'm one of the assistant area coordinators for British Divers Moon Life Rescue and also the funding coordinator for Cornwall. Um, I'm also one of the volunteer medics at our new SEAL hospital in mid-Cornwall. So, and we're here today, we're all volunteers. We've got a group of us here today at this Blue Day in Falmouth to represent British Divers. We've just done a demonstration of a dolphin rescue. So demonstrating what would happen if we had a cetacean stranded on our shoreline 
and we're basically here just to talk about the charity, the work that we do and raise awareness. Um, so obviously uh, we've got a lot of uh, cuddly toys in front of us. Uh, I, th I think that's a kind of universal thing with um, a lot of wildlife charities get putting the, um, the amazing species that you look after into cuddly toy form. Um, it's a really good engagement tactic. Um, do, you, do you often reach out to the younger generation to get them interested from an early age or is it more aimed at people who you want to train up to become medics? So it's a mixture really. So we do do school talks occasionally So and certainly events like this will attract small people and they tend to ask lots of questions. But it's really amazing that they tend to know quite a lot as well. So you tend to find that the young generation actually can quite often know more than their parents, uh, which is partly from the school system, but also partly around just what's in the general awareness, general consciousness around things on the television, things like in general media. So yeah, we engage anybody that wants to love and look after marine mammals. Fantastic. And um, what is the number one cause of stranding in, in Cornwall at the minute? So we've got a mixture. So seal, from a seal pup's perspective, because the majority of the work that we do is working with seal pups, they come in with things like malnutrition because they have only three weeks to wean. So they have a very short space of time between being with their mum to being on their own and they can be malnourished because they can't feed themselves. We've had, from a climate change perspective, we're getting more storms which is creating an issue for our pups when they're at their youngest and at their weakest. It's that time that they're most vulnerable and that can cause them to get knocked up on rocks, for example. We get eye injuries, teeth injuries. Last, last year we had a lot of lungworm, which was quite interesting just in terms of looking at what might be happening within our ecosystem around why our pups are becoming so susceptible to that. Um, yeah, that's really interesting to, to know. And lastly, um, in terms of obviously we're, we're approaching the summer, so we're coming up to a really busy tourist season in Cornwall and it's a, it's a county that sees a huge amount of uh, people come down on holiday, um, especially in the summer and especially post-Covid as well. A lot of people have found places down here uh, instead of going abroad. Um, what what uh, what amount of trouble do you anticipate over the summer? I know you probably see a big increase in, in seal distress and disturbance. Um, how do you deal with that? So the main way we deal with it is raising awareness, so encouraging people to give these marine mammals space as much as possible. Um, and also if you're seeing people, if you're seeing disturbance, to phone into British Divers Marine Life Rescue where we can get our volunteers out to almost do crowd management to, to, for want of a better word so encouraging people to give them give them space that's the way that we deal with it yeah perfect well thank you so much for your time so uh, i'm here with uh, some representatives from greenpeace the local farm with greenpeace group um, greenpeace obviously an organization which is close to my heart having worked with them before um, i'm here with tom uh, could you kind of Tell me, uh, could you tell me a bit about the work that your Greenpeace group specifically does down in Falmouth? Because obviously um, we're a coastal town down here, so and there's a, a, always Greenpeace will always be kind of connected in, in many ways with the ocean. Yes, um, so we're a local campaign group and there are I think about 40 across the country. So what generally happens is there's a, a campaign organised centrally and all the local groups deliver it. So at the moment, the campaign we're sort of focusing on is actually Tesco's and it's more to do with the Amazon and uh, the Cerrado and where they're so sourcing soya for food. However, of course, we are a coastal group and we are involved in 
many of the other campaigns which are sea-related. So just more recently, one of our focuses was on marine protected areas. So we've got lots of marine protected areas around the whole of the UK and in the Falmouth and Cornwall region, but they're what we describe them as paper parks. So in, in, on paper they're protected, but in reality there's all sorts going on in them which just shouldn't be. And the, the, the most, I'd say most recent campaign was to do with the, the big trawling. So this is what's been happening in the North Sea, but also across the English Channel. Uh, so Greenpeace has been out trying to disrupt a bit of that. And as a local group, we've just been promoting the, um, the defence of these marine protected areas and getting people to recognise that they exist and that they should be talking to their MP, writing to their MP or campaigning about actually making these um, protected areas protected. Right, so that's the, the national picture and it, and it always works well when all of these groups across the whole of the country focus on something and, and, it, and it's quite impactful. However, on the side, we are also um, a local group in Falmouth, so uh, there are lots of other environmental groups such as Plastic Free Falmouth, Falmouth Marine Conservation, Ocean Rebellion, so it's sort of like an XR spin-off, Surf Against Sewage. So on the local level, things like beach cleans or um, kind of local fishing issue awareness, we get involved in those types of uh, campaigns as well. Right, so yeah, um, can you finally tell us, uh, sorry, tell me where, where I can find you, how people can get involved with um, both nationally and very, very importantly locally as well? Yes, yeah, so um, as a group, we meet once a month. It's always the first Wednesday of the month. It used to be in person, but now we're meeting via Zoom. And actually, as we're quite a spread out group across Cornwall, we've got some members in Perrinporth and Weybridge because there aren't too many Greenpeace groups. It actually works out really well with Zoom. Now, if you want to find us or find anything about these meetings, probably the easiest thing to do is just to look on Instagram or look on Facebook if you just put in found with Greenpeace you'll be taken to the pages and then also the Greenpeace website uh, Greenwire uh, we've got a local group in there as well but really if you just search for Greenpeace Falmouth you'll find anything that we're up to and where we meet and when. Fantastic. I'm here with Luke on my last stall of the afternoon uh, from Fathoms Free. Could you tell me a bit about yourself and what Fathoms Free does and, and why it's so important? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name's Luke. I'm uh, with Fathoms Free, and uh, essentially we are ghost net divers. So we focus on removing the ghost nets from the sea before they trap any more marine life or wash up onto the shores. And um, we're out as much as we can during the summer. Uh, last year we did 20 recoveries uh, throughout Cornwall, uh, primarily in the Falmouth Bay area, uh, mainly because that's where most of the members recreationally dive. Um, but we respond to uh, reports all around Cornwall, so we did some on the north coast, uh, we did some out of uh, Loo, up near Liscard, um, and yes, anything from trawl nets to lobster pots to gill nets. Uh, unfortunately, at the beginning of last year, we actually recovered a dead dolphin in a gill net uh, just off of Mainporth Beach, and I can't remember the exact total, but we've pulled tons out over the last 12 months. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, what for, for the people listening who don't know, what is a ghost net? Uh, so a ghost net is effectively uh, a common term for any abandoned, lost or otherwise discarded fishing gear. Um, it could be lost through 
storms, um, it could be snagged on a wreck or a reef, or it could be discarded for a variety of reasons. Um, historically, fishermen, rather than recycle them, would throw them overboard um, once the net came to the end of their life because of the charges with regards to you know, landfill and everything else. There are recycling schemes available now that they can um, recycle them through, which it was actually set up by our founder, Rob Thompson. Um, he's since left to focus on the recycling side of it, but there's a lot of nets still out there floating around that were probably discarded long before that facility was available. Um, the majority of the stuff we recover, to be fair, has been snagged. Um, so lobster pots that we recovered from the bottom of Falmouth Estuary, for example, were snagged on old uh, wartime cables that used to hold the mines, stop submarines from coming up the estuary. Um, there's large amounts of fishing gear on that that perhaps came in with the tides and whatnot. But um, yeah, there's a, a never-ending supply of work for us basically at the moment. Yeah, and um, last off, because the, the wind's getting a bit strong, yeah. um, where can people find you uh, on, online and get involved? Yeah, so we have, uh, we're on social media, so Instagram and Facebook. Um, we don't do a lot of community involvement anymore. Um, we used to do a lot of shore-based recoveries and beach cleans, but due to the ever-growing number of beach clean groups that are doing an amazing job around Cornwall, we've focused our efforts on the, the ghost gear side of things out at sea. Um, and with that, we want divers that are diving pretty much every weekend, mainly for sort of health and safety purposes. Um, once you start pulling these nets up, there's zero visibility, it's dark, dingy, and diving needs to be something that you don't need to think about. Um, so you can focus on the job at hand. Yeah, so definitely you want, want people to get involved, but only if they have the relevant qualifications and yeah. experience. Um, yeah, perfect. Well, I'll definitely pass that on, and uh, thanks for your time. No, thank you. Thank you so much to all the groups who made this day possible. It was really amazing to go and talk to so many people in real life and outside in the fresh air next to the sea and, and really get an idea of the just pure range of people that are down in Falmouth doing such incredible work for the wider marine world. I did manage to drink some coffee. I had a cup of Machu Picchu coffee from Cafe Direct. I bought this coffee from the Falmouth Food Cooperative who are really another brilliant group doing doing really good work. Um, there were so many amazing people there. Um, yeah, Falmouth Food Cooperative, definitely one worth keeping an eye on in the future if you're down this way. I'd also like to say a massive thank you to anyone who supported me. A lot of you send me messages and comment and share and like Instagram posts and really just get active on social media and it's a massive mood booster to me. I think that um, this podcast started as just a little hobby but I've managed to speak to some incredible people and communicate some really important stories and meet some new people as well. I've met a lot of people through the podcast who I think will be will be friends for a long time so yeah, thank you to everyone who messages me and supports me on Ko-fi, which allows me to do things like this. It's kind of like Patreon, but without the strings attached, so you don't have to do a monthly subscription if you want. You can just chuck me a few quid or leave a, a lovely message. Um, yeah, there's really no obligation, but it does help me do things like this and also meet up with more people in person to do uh, walking podcast episodes and live recordings and I've got a couple of those coming up which I'm very excited about. 
but generally it just keeps me ticking over and means I can dedicate quite a bit more time to the podcast itself. Thank you all so much for listening. As ever, I've been your host, George Steedman-Jones, and this is Coffee with Conservationists.